Welcome to episode two of the Good for Baseball podcast. I want to go over a few things. It's been slow. Nothing has really happened in baseball. There's been a couple of big trades, but generally nothing. But I want to go over the offseason so far and start off with Ross Atkins, actually. I'm a Blue Jays fan, and Ross Atkins had some media availability earlier in the week. And I'm not really sure what people expect from him. There was a lot of pushback from Blue Jay fans and uh, Blue Jay's Twitter. I was driving around at work uh, during the media conference or press availability and even people on the radio in Toronto, someone like Jesse Rubinoff, had a lot of issues with what Ross Atkins had to say during this um, brief media availability. Uh, some of the things that people had problems with was uh, the way he described the Shohei Otani pursuit. Um, he was very upbeat about it. He was talking about how how great of a experience that was, and that annoyed people. And at the same time, though, he said that was the toughest phone call he ever received when he found out that Shohei would not be signing with the Blue Jays. Again, I don't know what people expected Ross Atkins to say here. He can't, like, if he thought that the uh, Otani and his camp played the Blue Jays in order to get a better deal from the Dodgers, he can't come out and say that. He's a general manager. He has to maintain positive relationships with other general managers, with agencies, with players, because he can't handcuff himself in future pursuits of other players. Like, what is he supposed to say? Yeah, yeah, they they played us. They screwed us over. They were never that serious. I'm really annoyed about it. He can't come out and say that. And then another thing that upset Blue Jay fans was him saying that he's happy with what they have right now um, as far as the team goes. And again, what do you want him to say? I'm not entirely sure what you want him to say. He can't say, yeah, the team we have right now stinks. We got to get a lot more players. Uh, right now we're not competitive and we're desperate to sign an outfielder, we're desperate to sign a third baseman, we're desperate to sign a DH and a relief pitcher, maybe some starting pitching depth, depth. we're very desperate. What does that do to the leverage for Ross Atkins and the Toronto Blue Jays? You can already see agents calling and going, hey, so um, we hear you're not happy with uh, the state of your team right now. I got a guy that can help. He fills that hole that you that you have on the roster that you're really concerned about. I mean, you told the entire Toronto media that you're concerned about it. He can help you out. But it's going to, you know, maybe cost you a little bit more. Because you need him. And we know you need him. 
Like he can't. He has to give off the impression that, yeah, no, no, things are fine. If we don't do anything else, we're good. I don't think he thinks we're good. The IKF signing upset a lot of people. I don't really get it. I looked at it as a replacement for Whit Merrifield. Better defender than Whit Merrifield in, in terms of his versatility. Not as good as an, uh, of an offensive player as Whit Merrifield, but Whit Merrifield wasn't. He had a really nice stretch for a brief part of last year, but he's not irreplaceable offensively. So it was a fine acquisition for the Blue Jays and Kevin Kiermeyer again for one year and what he does defensively and he is good at bats for a number nine hitter it's perfectly fine I don't have any issue with Kevin Kiermeyer. I don't have an issue with IKF now if this is all they do which it won't be it can't be but if this is all they do then yeah sure you're allowed to have a problem I just don't see that being it for the Blue Jays. And in terms of like I'm a Ross Atkins defender. I'm not gonna I don't pretend that everything he's done is perfect, but I've watched this team long enough with a lot with a bunch of GMs, and he's done a better job than anyone since I've been watching. AA Alex Anthopoulos is on a pedestal in this city. And I understand why. 2015 was amazing. That trade deadline was amazing. The way the team played for the rest of the season, it revitalized the city and its love of baseball. And I'll always be appreciative of that. And it raised the standards of the fans. And it said, listen, you put something on the field that's entertaining, we're going to show up. And if you don't, you know, there's other things to do in this city. Now, I'm going to show up no matter what. But it was a big moment. But people forget about what Alex Anthopoulos did before that trade deadline in 2015. He wasn't just a GM in 2015. He was responsible for trading Noah Syndergaard for Ari Dickey. Which in 2015 would have been nice to have because Noah Syndergaard was an ace on the Mets staff. That helped them lead them to the World Series where Ari Dickey was not on the playoff roster. You know, so that wasn't a great trade. The trade with the Marlins that famously made the Blue Jays World Series favorites was an absolute disaster. Josh Johnson fell apart immediately. Jose Reyes was never Jose Reyes. Emilio Bonifacio was okay. I mean, they didn't give up anything of significance necessarily to the Marlins, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a trade that worked out. The team missed the playoffs every year that Alex Anthopoulos was GM, except for 2015. And Ross Atkins has made some bad trades. Right now, the Varsho trade looks horrendous, especially when you consider that you could have had Gabby Moreno on a very team-friendly deal, obviously. And let you explore something in terms of a package, including Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk. I like Danny Jansen. He gets hurt a lot. It's fluky, but I mean, it's a trend now. And Alejandro Kirk, who was really good two years ago, had an awful season this past season. 
And, you know, I don't shame players for their size, but his size is somewhat concerning for durability, being able to play long-term, and, you know, based off of last season performance and having Gabby Moreno in for the next five, six years at low cost would have been nice. And Lourdes Gurriel is kind of a player the Jays were missing last year. You know, defensively, I understand what he is. He's he's a very good hitter. He's always been a very good hitter. Um, he's always kind of been around 280, 285. He can get to 290. It doesn't surprise you if he hits 20 to 25 home runs. He can drive in 70 to 80 guys. He's he's very good with the bat. And that's someone they could have really used last year as a fourth outfielder and a you know, part-time DH. Can even play first base when you need him to. His inclusion in the trade never made sense. It didn't make sense to me at the time. And it turned out that it wasn't ideal to to include him in the trade that trade itself 100% right now looks awful but Ross Atkins traded for Robbie Ray and then re-signed him and got a Cy Young out of that right he signed Marcus Simeon to a one-year deal and got the greatest season from a second baseman in terms of power right an MVP finalist season from Marcus Simeon. He replaced Robbie Ray with uh, Kevin Gosman, which right now looks like a genius move. You know, he brought in Yusei Kikuchi, which first year didn't look good. Last year looks like a bargain. You know, the farm system's not great. That's on Ross Adkins. But to be fair, part of that is he traded a decent amount of prospects for... Matt Chapman for Jose Barrios, who Jose Barrios he ended up extending, and that looks like a good contract after last year. Even two years ago when Jose Jose Barrios was bad, I think he led the team in quality starts that year. And overall, Jose Barrios was pretty solid. He gave the team a chance to win most times he was out there. It's just when it got bad for him two years ago, it was really, really bad. And that's why his numbers are bad. He would kill the bullpen in that game. He would make the game immediately an L on the schedule. All right, after the first or second inning, the game was over. Like when he was bad, he was bad. But he wasn't bad as often as people would have you believe. Again, led the team, I'm pretty sure, led the team in quality stars that year. Might have been tied with Gosman. But he had a really good year. Right? Ross Atkins drafted Bichette. Ross Atkins drafted Manoa, which was looking like ace of the future up until last year. Ross Atkins has done a lot of good things. And that's rare for a GM. And again, it's his fault right now that the team is in the position where it has the, the amount of holes that it has with a very weak free agent class to fill those holes. And a weak farm system where it makes it difficult to fill those holes through trade. 
the trade that he made for Mitch White is not looking good right now. He gave up a prospect that is now a top 100 prospect in baseball. I think Mitch White will, I don't know. He ended the season really well in AAA. I have optimism, blind optimism, that maybe the trade will balance out a little bit more, that it will be less lopsided towards the Dodgers winning that trade. But we'll see. But don't take for granted, if you're, especially if you're a Blue Jays fan, don't take for granted, and it sounds pathetic, but it's true, three seasons where you're averaging 90 wins a year. That doesn't happen. I started watching in the late 90s. They didn't win 90 games once from then until 2015. Like nearly 20 years of watching the team, they never touched 90 wins. It's not easy. And now the GM comes in and he's got he's averaging 90 wins over 3 seasons. Last year was 89 wins, all right. I know it wasn't a 90 win season. But he's put together something that is as of now seemingly sustainable. We'll see. They they're in a really tough position with Vladdy and Bo. Tampa would have already traded one if not both of them. If you're not going to extend them, Tampa would have already traded them. But Toronto's holding on to them, and we'll see. Springer's contract is not looking great. It's not looking great. It's not looking horrible. But we kind of expected this to happen when you saw six years attached to his name. The lack of prospects coming up that are making an impact. I mean, Davis Schneider, sure, but... The lack of prospects coming up, making an impact since 2019, basically, right? Since we had that influx of Vladdy and Bo and Cavan and Lourdes and Rowdy Telez, who's, you know, had a nice little career so far post Blue Jays. That That's kind of stalled. And I understand why it's hard to bring up young guys to make an impact when you're theoretically in your win now world series window which is why they traded for Matt Chapman which is why they traded for Whit Merrifield which is why they brought in Paul DeYoung which didn't that was a bad trade too but overall it's been it's been better than it has been it hasn't been perfect But it's like you either started watching in 2015 when things got, and I don't blame you if you did. I'm happy if you did. I'm happy if that's what brought you to love baseball and love this team. But, and I understand the expectations, you should, you should have high expectations. You should expect this team to be competitive. But be careful what you wish for. He's been a good GM for this team. Again, he's been of my con- conscious lifetime. I was born in 91, so 92 and 93 don't register to me. In my lifetime, since I started watching, he's been arguably the best GM that we've had in this franchise. And the offseason is far from over. Everyone is still available, pretty much, other than like the big fish. Everyone is still out there. Offseason isn't over. We can give Ross Atkins a grade 
when more players come off the board. And that's the other topic of today, this MLB offseason. I don't know what's going on. MLB offseason is usually the least exciting offseason out of all the major sports. Basketball, typically it's July 1st, I think is, or July 4th maybe. There's a period where you can start talking to free agents and officially sign them and all that kind of stuff. But in the NBA, you start hearing about, you know, unofficial reports of this guy will sign there. Like immediately, as soon as the clock strikes midnight of when it's no longer considered tampering, you start getting reports and all the big names are off the board. But it's in basketball, you have a salary cap, you have max contracts. Guys, superstars know what they're getting paid. Right? Hockey is a little bit slower, but generally it moves along pretty well. Football, same thing. And football is a lot of contract extensions and all that kind of stuff because of all the, you know, football doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money and it's got the, um, God, I don't know why I can't think of it right now. Franchise tag, which is looming over certain players and they'd rather get a long-term deal done then hold out for an extra like five to ten million guaranteed and have the franchise tag apply to them instead. Baseball, though, no salary cap and contracts. I mean, last year Brandon Nimmo was supposed to get a hundred million. Right? That was like, oh, Brandon Nimmo, he's probably gonna get around a hundred million. Crush that. Yamamoto, who's never pitched in baseball, in Major League Baseball. Biggest contract by uh, from a, or for a pitcher in the history of the sport. And he's never pitched in Major League Baseball. Agents, players, they look for any kind of leverage they possibly can. This offseason, we were told, and I believed, well, everyone's waiting for Otani. Because Otani's going to sign the biggest contract. There's... Big spending teams that are focused on Otani right now. It would be stupid for a Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman to sign before Otani does because once Otani signs, he's only signing with one team. Those other teams that were in on him that have money to spend will become desperate to get another big player and the price will drive up for the Bellingers and Chapmans and whatever. And Otani signed and things were still slow. And then, well, Yamamoto now. Once Yamamoto, now that it's focused on Yamamoto, right? Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Giants, apparently Blue Jays. I don't know how, how serious they were about Yamamoto, but Blue Jays, Red Sox. And once we're waiting on Yamamoto. And once he signs, then the market will pick up. And he signed a while ago and still nothing. There's been some interesting signings. Right, Orioles getting Craig Kimbrell for one year. That was, I thought that was a really good signing for them. There's been some interesting trades. Braves have been kind of trading all over the place, but they end up getting Chris Sale. That was nice. Yankees were smart for trading for Soto before the Otani decision was made. Because once Otani signed, even if the Jays weren't realistically going to get Soto, they would have definitely gotten involved. And... That would have been used as a leverage tactic by the Padres against the Yankees to maybe get a little bit more from the Yankees. Because now suddenly, 
hey, the Blue Jays are really interested because they missed out on Otani. So it was a really good job by the Yankees to get Soto before that happened. But still, we're in January, right? We're, we're sneaking up on mid-January, which will be a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. Blake Snell is still a free agent. Matt Chapman is still a free agent. Cody Bellinger is still a free agent. Reese Hoskins, J.D. Martinez, Jorge Soler. These are all still free agents that can make a sizable impact to the team that signs them. And nothing has happened. And part of that, I think, is the Chapmans and the Bellingers have a price in mind. And teams are afraid to sign them to the price that they're looking for. I would love Matt Chapman back in Toronto if it was a Lourdes Gurriel type of contract, which is what I think he should be, which is what I think he's worth. If it was that, like the three-year, what was Gurriel's contract? Three-year, it wasn't $42 million, maybe it was $52 million, but it was something along those lines. Fine. Chapman's bat, if you've watched and Blue Jay fans watched a lot, you don't feel good about him coming up to the plate in the big spot. Too many holes in this swing. Defense is very good. According to all the metrics, it's slipping, it's declining, which is scary for someone looking for five, six, seven years, whatever Matt Chapman is looking for, especially when you can't even use the argument of, well, when the defense slips, the bat's still going to be there. You're still going to have that bat in the lineup because it's the defense that makes them. Cody Bellinger... This one, this one scares me because there's Blue Jay fans who've, there's a certain segment of Blue Jay fans who feel like you have to get Cody Bellinger, or otherwise the offseason is a failure. Cody Bellinger would, I promise you, immediately be the biggest contract in franchise history, which is a huge mistake. He has been below average as an offensive player. I mean, borderline horrendous at the plate for nearly half his career. And it's a, it's it's such an interesting free agency class because Ballinger has the ceiling. He's shown rookie of the year, MVP. I think he was an NLCS MVP. Like really good years. And then last year, very good. And apparently it was a shoulder injury that made him struggle for three straight seasons. I wouldn't personally trust that to give him a eight, nine, ten year contract. That would be the biggest contract in the history of the franchise. Maybe, maybe it was the injury. Maybe he's over that now, and we're going to see that Bellinger from his first two full seasons in baseball, where he was an MVP, and what we saw last year. The advanced stuff on Bellinger last year are scary. The numbers were good. If you look at the numbers, the numbers were really good. The advanced stuff call for a regression that isn't worth what he's allegedly looking for or that ballpark. So I can see why he hasn't moved yet. It's a scary scary risk to take. I saw someone say, you know, or ask the question, 
which is a, a bit of a mean question, but like, is Bellinger the worst, best free agent that we've seen? Because even heading into the offseason, it was Otani and Bellinger. Those were the top two guys. And Yamamoto too, sure. But just in terms of players in the league currently who are free agents, it's Otani and Bellinger. And Bellinger is a its a huge risk and it scares the crap out of me. But this offseason has been really bad. But this is why like the panic of Ross Atkins hasn't done anything. Nobody has done anything except for the Dodgers. Right, Seattle's done stuff that seems more of like shedding salary, and we'll see. Maybe they're in on Blake Snell. Maybe that's why they, the Robbie Ray trade, really did surprise me. All right, but they got rid of Eugenio Suarez, then they get rid of Robbie Ray, but they bring back Mitch Haniger. I'm not really sure. I think, and they picked up Luke Rayleigh too, right? I think they picked up Luke Rayleigh. I think that was today or yesterday. But it's only been the Dodgers, really, and the Yankees. The Yankees made that a couple of trades, which were really good trades for the Yankees. Verdugo is not a great player, but he's pesky and annoying. I think he's gonna, he just seems like he's going to do really well for the Yankees. Soto, obviously, generational. Yankees and Dodgers, they've made the biggest splashes so far. So Blue Jay fans need to relax a little bit in the sense of like, you know, Ross Atkins hasn't done anything this off. No one's done anything this offseason. All the main guys are still on the board. There's been a lot of little moves. But all those free agent guys are still on the board. And as far as trades go, I don't even know what you can realistically expect given what the farm system is. Like I wouldn't trade Ricky Tiedemann. Because what else do you have? And you need that pitching depth. I wouldn't trade Ricky Tiedemann unless it was in a, you know, a package involving Jose Ramirez. It would have to be someone like that. You want to do that? Fine. Get Jose Ramirez. He's a star. But would I tr- include Ricky Tiedemann for like a, a decent upgrade to the team? And it wouldn't just be Ricky Tiedemann. Right? It would be probably like Aurelvis Martinez and maybe even Manoa. I don't know what people say Manoa's trade value isn't anything right now. It probably isn't that great. But that's why if I'm the Blue Jays, I don't even entertain trading Manoa. Given what we saw the first two years of his career or a year and a half of his career. And last year was just very bizarre. People say it was because he came out of shape and the pitch clock is what messed him up. I agree that he came out of shape. It had nothing to do with the pitch clock. I would buy into that theory if he was cruising through three, four innings or two, three, four innings and then started missing his spots. He was awful from the first pitch. The pitch clock couldn't even play a part into what I, I mean. Very first pitch, he would consistently fall to the first batter of the game. It would. I, I went to a lot of the games that he was pitching in. And it seemed like consistently, first batter of the game, first inning, constantly, 3-0 counts, 3-1 counts. So it had nothing to do with the pitch clock, I don't think. I think he just came out of shape, probably enjoyed his winter a little bit more than he should have. I don't blame him if he did because he had an amazing year. Right, Recently engaged in Miami, 
Everything looks like it's going up. You can already see the big contract you're going to get. And maybe his focus wasn't quite there. We'll see this year. That's why I wouldn't even entertain trading him. But this offseason has been underwhelming for sure. And again, there's a lot of guys still out there. And we're quickly approaching that catchers and pitchers report to spring training moment. And before you know it, the season's going to be here. You know, it happens very quickly. So I don't know what they do. I don't think there's really anything they can do. People have suggested, I've seen people suggest like putting a deadline on when players can sign. I don't, you know, this. there's so many reasons why that won't work. Because what does that mean? Like, free agents can't sign. But what happens, like, if a team has a ridiculous amount of unforeseen injuries in spring training and then they need to pick up a couple of depth starters, they can't sign them because the deadline has passed? Because they didn't think ahead to catastrophic injuries? Players and agents will never be okay with that either, by the way. Like you thought last year's strike was scary. I mean, the strike that would lead to that if you said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna put a knife." Well, this is a, not even the correct analogy, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna put a cage around you in the sense of how long you have to negotiate these contracts. You better sign them quick. The issue is the fact that it's so open ended in baseball. There's not a hard cap, and the market's changed constantly. Again, Shohei Otani jumped $500 million for total value and $600 million for total value and went straight to $700 million. We don't see that in other sports. Just completely jumped those numbers. We're waiting for the first $500 million contract. Well, maybe $600 million? No. Forget $500, $600 million. He completely jumped that at seven hundred million. So Juan Soto, who's like, hmm, can I get half a billion dollars on my next contract? You know he's starting at five fifty, <laughs> definitely at five hundred. But like Juan Soto's gonna be looking for six hundred million possibly because of what Shohei did. You can say, well, Shohei's contract with the deferrals—that's why it was seven hundred. If it wasn't for the deferrals, it'd be. High 400s, maybe low 500s. But the deferrals allowed it to get to 700. Maybe, but that's what people look at. They look at 700. That's what the agents will bring to the table. That's what the players will say. They'll say, especially Juan Soto. He has a better year than Shohei, for example. He'll say, I don't have the injury history of Shohei Otani. I just had a better season than him. I'm younger. And he got 700. I should be... You know, I'm the best player in baseball. I should be getting $700 million. I don't think Juan Soto will get $700 million, obviously, but the markets change in baseball all the time. And that's why these free agency periods take forever to sort themselves out. Again, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened yet. Significant names are still on the board. And I was, I've been waiting for kind of the floodgates to open. There's been, again, a couple of interesting trades that have occurred. 
the biggest names in the sense of Otani and Yamamoto have signed. There's been some nice like little signings for teams like Kiermaier to the Blue Jays or uh, Kimbrell to the Orioles. Aaron Nola re-signed with Philly. So there's been things that have happened, but you know, you're waiting for more blockbusters to occur. Surprise signings, blockbuster trades. And I just I don't know what the asking prices are on both ends. I feel like they might be too high, and that's why we're not seeing anything. I think Bellinger is asking for more than most teams are willing to give. Again, I if I'm the Blue Jays, I don't entertain. Last year, I wanted Bellinger for that one-year deal, like the Simeon one, to approve a deal in a way. I can't give him 8 to 10 years and $250 million. I really can't. I wouldn't want to. You know, if you're the Dodgers, if you're a Dodgers fan, sure. Because you know, as a fan of the Dodgers, they'll eat the money. They'll figure something out. If you're a fan of the Blue Jays, be angry all you want. But if that contract is a disaster, that's going to set the franchise back. And that's going to set back how much money Rodgers is willing to spend. Again, you can argue about how much money Rodgers has and how it's not an excuse. But it will be. That's the reality of it. And that contract scares me. Matt Chapman, again, a Guriel type of contract. Love it. What he's reportedly asking for, I don't want that anywhere near the Blue Jays. We've seen enough. I'd rather see Barger or Aralvis Martinez get, get a chance at third base. Because I can't imagine their bat is worse than Chapman's. And sure, the defense might not be as good, obviously. But last year, the defense was the best in baseball. And that didn't do anything. That didn't do anything for us. So, yeah, it's been it's been an awful off season, horrendous off season. Hopefully, it picks up. I don't know. I'm gonna post this uh, episode, and there'll probably be like five new signings by the time it goes up, and then this will be a waste of time. But hey, baseball, figure it out. You got to be better. The trade deadline in baseball is awesome. So I understand the argument for a deadline because when it, when there is one, teams are forced to do something. And then interesting things happen. But you can't put a deadline on free agency. But figure something out. Come on, baby. Let's make it more exciting. Dodgers fans are fine. I know they're like, hey, what are you talking about? Free agency is awesome. I love free agency. A lot of teams just hanging around. A lot of fan bases hanging around waiting for something to happen. Cubs fans are worried. Giants fans are worried. Blue Jays fans are worried. Orioles haven't really done anything, but I think their fans are fine for now because of such an exciting unknown that they have. Mariners fans are worried. Even Yankees fans are worried. I don't know why Yankees fans are worried. You know your pitching is going to be good. You know you'll figure something out. Even if your starting pitching struggles, you know you're going to have a lockdown bullpen because you always do. And you got Judge and Soto. And you can convince yourself of a Stanton comeback this year, of a Rizzo comeback this year, of Glaber on his contract year having a massive year. Of Volpe having, you know, figuring things out more and having a great second year. Jason Dominguez coming back. You can convince yourself 
right? Blue Jays fans, you can convince yourself too. Last year, they they had no problem getting hits. They had no problem getting guys on base. They just couldn't cash them in. Well, things will even out this year, you hope, right? Just statistically, they have to. You can't be that poor with runners in scoring position. Vladdy is too talented to be what he's been the last two seasons. He'll be better. Bo Bichette. He's just, you know what Bo Bichette is? George Springer will have a better year. Alejandro Kirk will come back in shape. Varsho will be more comfortable in, on his new team. And he'll, yeah, he won't hit 250 or 260, but he'll get you 30 home runs next year because he'll be comfortable and he'll be playing great defense. Pitching scares me for the Blue Jays, though. The hitting scares me, but you're, that pitching last year, the health of that pitching and the quality to expect that back-to-back seasons, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You need some backup plans. And Tiedemann is one, and the bounce back from Manoa is one. But right now you have four starters. You don't have five. You have Manoa competing for a fifth spot. You have Tiedemann probably competing for a fifth spot. Bowden Francis probably competing for a fifth spot. But you need somebody else. You need a little bit more. And who knows, again, every year there's always a a surprise prospect or two. No one heard of Davis Schneider before last season. And Davis Schneider, I'm excited to see what he does. Because his... You prorate his stats from last year into a 162-game season. I think it's like 37 home runs and 90 RBIs. Do I think he can hit 37 home runs a season? No. But I'm hoping... I mean, the Blue Jays need a guy like that. A surprise guy out of their farm system where it's like, hey, Davis Schneider. Nobody expected him to give you 25 home runs a year. What a nice surprise. You need that in baseball in order to stay... Competitive. That's what the Astros have done. Astros were were able to let go of Springer and Correa and a bunch of other dudes. Garrett Cole. And they brought guys up who have filled their roles improperly. And have done enough to keep them competitive. Anyways, free agency. Amazing, isn't it? What an offseason. Let's just get let's get to spring training. I just want to see things started up again. Wake me up when spring training starts because then all the important signings you would think would be done by then. And we'll have an idea of what the season looks like and how teams got better, got worse. And in the case of the Blue Jays, seemingly stayed the same. Which... You know, depending on how much you believe in bounce back seasons, could be a really bad thing. Thank you for listening. And I'll be uh, doing episode three on something. I plan on making like video content, but not of my face, but more, um, more kind of like, uh, I don't know, not documentary. I have some examples on the on the internets of things I've done before as it related to basketball. Uh, and I plan on doing stuff like that for baseball as well. Um, 
my first one being about the 2015 Blue Jays and how that season was much more important than just the success of the team. Like the winning of the team was great, but that wasn't what was the most important part. And why that team really made Canada fall in love with baseball again. And it's something that is desperately missing from this current constructed team. Ross Atkins for oh, la, la, la. Ross Atkins for life. I will defend him until I can't. But for now I can. And if you want to crap on him, let's just wait until the offseason ends. Thank you for listening, and we'll be seeing you soon.